Well, we started three years ago. Um, let me stop real quick. Food illustrations always work. Like, y'all are locked in. Y'all are like, I don't know what he's talking about, but, but baby, this is our church because he's got cake on stage. I'll get to this in just a second, all right? Three years ago, the world was a very different place. Would you agree? I mean, we didn't, we didn't know what coronavirus was. I mean, if you would have said coronavirus, I would have thought something was wrong with the beer. And um, so would you because you're a second chance. Um, but it... it COVID kind of changed some things, and, and not everything was bad. Like, there was some good stuff that happened. Like, I know people that literally picked up a brand new career because they learned something new during the lockdown. So we're going to play Let's Pretend. This did not happen. This is a completely pretend illustration to make a point. But let's pretend that during COVID, I got hooked on the cooking channel. Anybody watch the cooking channel? Just for fun, anybody watch the cooking? Okay, a few people, a few people. Let's say I just was watching the cook, cooking channel and I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta start baking. That looks fun. And I started baking some cakes and um, man, I could, make some, I could make some good cakes. My cakes got so good that people were like, Pastor P, you have got to open up a second business. And so I did. I called it Pastor P's Pastries. Because um, my, my other idea was Pastor P's Pub if the church didn't work out. But anyway, I, I, so, it's another story another time. So Pastor P's Pastries, and I was kind of known for my, for my Oreo cake. Now, this is the Oreo cake. Now, I did not make these cakes. These cakes are from the Sweetery. If you're from Anderson, you know the Sweetery. And if you're not from Anderson, it sucks to be you because Sweetery is awesome. Anyway, so, so, but let's say I made these cakes, and you came in, and you said, Pastor P, I want to get one of your Oreo cakes, and I said, man, I want to sell you one. So I sold you one, and you got it home, and you noticed that when you got it home, <laughs> you're like, man, I, I, don't, I don't know that that's exactly what I wanted. Pastor P looks like he, he got a little happy and started eating the cake. Now, I'm, I'm going to pause and say that I don't think there's anybody in the room or anybody watching online that if you were to buy this cake from my bakery, you would say, you would get your family and say, y'all, we just got to be thankful that we got some of the cake. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Like nobody in this room is that godly. You'd be like, I am going back down to Pastor Pete's Pastries and I'm going to talk to him about this right here. And so you walked in and you're like, Pastor Pete, what? What is wrong with this cake? I said, well, that's just the one you got. And, and you started looking at this cake, and this cake was perfect. This, I mean, there's nothing. This cake is, it's got the cream cheese icing with the Oreos in it. Cream cheese, by the way, there's a shortage. I didn't know if y'all knew about that. But anyway, cream cheese icing. And, 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 you, and I said, you said, what about that cake? I'm like, oh, that's already somebody else. Nobody in this room, nobody, nobody watching online, We'll look at your family or look at your friend that you came back in and say, well, I guess we just got to settle for that right there. Why would you settle for this cake when you could have this cake? Am I right? Am I tracking? Anybody with me so far? Okay. Here's where it gets real. Why would you settle for this life when you could have this life? Why, why would you settle for something that's obviously missing Obviously a little messed up. Why, why would you settle for that 
when Jesus told us we can have an abundant life. That's where I'm going today, and I'm going to go there um, in John chapter 5. During this series, except for Snowmageddon, we've been in the book of John. And um, John chapter 5 is one of my favorite stories about... I, I say that every week, don't I? It is, because it's my favorite story I studied this week. It's one of my favorite stories about something that Jesus did, and there's so much in this story, there's so much time, and we'll get to it over the next two and a half hours. You're going to love it. Here we go. John chapter 5, verse 1. Afterward, afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Now, let me stop real quick. The Jewish people were always celebrating something. Always. Still to this day, there are festivals and celebrations. Um, there's seven total festivals. I think there's three major, um, four kind of smaller festivals that last at least a week. I mean, they, they, they are party people. And Jesus was all about a party. Um, at the beginning of the series, the very first message, we talked about John chapter 2, where Jesus turned the water into wine, not grape juice, right? And he did it at a wedding. He did it at a party. Um, the second week of the series, we talked about Jesus healing the nobleman's son, but he, we also talked about how he did it after he came back from Jerusalem where they were celebrating the Passover. Here we see Jesus going to a party. In other words, Jesus doesn't miss a party. Jesus was like the original party animal, all right, because they called him the Lion of the tribe of Judah, party animal. It's a, a preacher joke. But anyway, so Jesus loved to party, which is not the image of Jesus that most of us grew up with. We, we, we didn't grow up with celebration, Jesus. We grew up with condemnation, Jesus. And, and Jesus wasn't about the celebration. Jesus was about condemnation. And a lot of people know John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believed in him. But they don't know John 3, 17, where Jesus said, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Pause. If he didn't send his son and the world to condemn the world, then he didn't send a preacher with a bad hairdo with a suit on sale from Hamrick's to do it either. <laughs> Some of y'all don't know Hamrick's, and that's <laughs> probably good. So, so Jesus was all about celebration, which is why I would encourage people to give their lives to Jesus. I would actually tell you that you don't know what celebration is until Jesus comes and lives inside of you. Because everything that we celebrate here on this planet is temporary. Temporary. Like, Philip and I go back and forth about Georgia. Hey, I'm super glad they won the national championship. Next year, it doesn't matter. All that celebration, all that celebration that Clemson did two years ago, all that celebration, it doesn't matter. In a few weeks, we'll see the Super Bowl. There'll be a lots of celebration at the Super Bowl. After the Super Bowl, it doesn't matter. Nothing that this world does is celebration worthy on an eternal basis, but everything that Jesus does is going to matter 100 years from now, 1,000 years from now, 10,000 years from now. Jesus is all about celebration. And if he is about celebration, I think his people should be about celebration. I think the church should be a place where we celebrate. And if we focused more on celebration and less on condemnation, I think we would change the world in a heartbeat. So that's just verse one. Y'all got to listen faster because I got to get through all these verses. Verse two, inside the city near the sheep gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. 
I got a confession. I'm 50 years old. I've been reading the Bible for 45 years. I was reading the Bible before I became a Christian because my mom and dad were trying to do everything they could. They sent me to a Christian school where they made me take tests on the Bible. I have read this story so many times. It's not even funny. But I've never seen what I'm about to share with you in in this one verse. It absolutely blew my mind. First of all, the sheep gate no longer lists, no longer exists in Jerusalem. Um, it's been replaced. It, now it's called the Lion's Gate. And the reason I say that is because I've been this location right here. I've been to this location at least a dozen times. You walk in the Lion's Gate. It's kind of cool because it's got a, li- a lion. That's why I call it the Lion's Gate. Was the pool of Beth- Bethesda. Bethesda, the literal meaning is house of mercy or, don't miss this, house of grace house of grace. Now that's, that's pretty remarkable when you see that. But then when you consider the second part of this, it's, it's, it's more remarkable. With how many covered porches? Let's say this on three, one, two, three. We skipped four, didn't we? Five covered porches. Five. Everybody just, everybody hold up five. Everybody, give me five, give me five, give me five, give me five, five. Now here's what's remarkable about this. Anytime a number is mentioned in the Bible, I want to lean into that. Now, sometimes it doesn't mean anything. Like, yeah, I was at a church one time, and a pastor got up and was like, I was reading Psalm 112 this morning. I believe you'd show $112. I'm like, dude, you need to shut that down. Or at least read Psalm 150. I mean, I mean there's, go higher. But, but so sometimes numbers, they don't really mean anything. But, but then I started digging into the number five, and I was like, well, what is the number five? And I started doing some research, and the number five in the Bible is the number of Grace. Anytime you see five mentioned, it's the number of grace. So you got the house of grace where people are covered with grace. Five. The number five. There there are five curtains in the tabernacle in the Old Testament. There are five pillars at the altar. There are five ingredients in the anointing oil. When David went out to fight Goliath, he picked up how many smooth stones? Five smooth stones to indicate he was walking in grace. When Jesus fed 5,000 people, how many loaves of bread did he have? Five, because he fed them with grace. God, if I was charismatic right now, I would take a lap around this church and wave a flag, all right? If you're not charismatic, you have no idea what that was. But it, it blows my mind that, that it, there was a house of grace with a covering of grace, that every person in this room, I want you to listen to me, every person watching online, this is a house of grace where we are covered by grace. This, this is a house of grace where we are covered by grace. No matter if you're this person or you're this person, we all need the same amount of grace. And this is a house of grace where people are covered by grace. But what kind of people go to a house of grace covered by grace? What kind of people? Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches waiting for a certain movement of the water. Now, I remember when I first started going to church as a kid, my mama made me dress up. And if you're around my age, your mama made you dress up too, okay? 
One of the, one, I asked a woman one time, what do you love the most about Second Chance? She said, I don't have to wear pantyhose. <laughs> Me either. All right, so, so I, I, I had to dress up. I, I had the clip-on tie. Y'all, know, y'all remember the clip-on tie because I couldn't tie a tie? I couldn't tie a tie until I got in college because I had a clip-on tie. And, and the boots, and, and you dressed up, and you would look around, and in church, you would, you would think, if you grew up in a church like I grew up in, you're like, all these people are good people. The good people were in church. The bad people were out playing golf. <laughs> That's what we thought. I grew up thinking that, right? The bad people were sleeping, sleeping it off, right? The bad people, they're, they're not in church. The good people are in church. And then, then, I, then I started working in a church, you find out some stuff about people when you work at, and you know what I discovered about people that come to church? All of us, all of us, I didn't say you, I said all of us, are sick people. You don't believe me? Look up and down your road right now. Mm-hmm. Ladies, you might, you might want to pull that purse a little bit closer. There's some sick people in this place. But it, it's sick people that need to be in a house of grace covered by grace. Am I right? What kind of people? The blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. Some people here today, you're sick because you're blind. You're blind to the future that God has for you. In fact, you can't see the potential of the future because of the pain of your past. Like, like, there are so many of us, notice I put myself in that category, when you see the best is yet to come, you, you can believe it for other people. But see, because of your past, because you had an affair or an addiction or an abortion or something in your past, you think somehow that one event, the worst part, the lowest part of your life defines you. And because you've allowed that to define you and you've allowed other people speak that into you, you can't see that there is a potential for you in your future that really is immeasurably more than all you could ever ask for or imagine. If we look in the Bible and we read about the heroes, there's not one Bible hero other than Jesus that wasn't a complete screw-up that God used for his glory. Maybe you're, maybe you're lame. And maybe you're lame because <laughs> the pressure of life just got to you and it weighed you down and you just can't walk. You're just so exhausted spiritually. Or maybe somebody took your legs out. Maybe it was an ex. Maybe it was your parents. Maybe it was one of your children. Maybe it was your, your former best friend. But you got hurt. And now you all laid up and you're lame. Or maybe you're paralyzed. <laughs> paralyzed with fear. With this thought. What if people knew everything about me? What if for 10 minutes this afternoon, somebody could Google your name and everything about you came out? Yeah, nobody said amen. Like that's, that's a paralyzing thought. So, so these sick people lay on the porches waiting for a certain movement of the water. So, 
So you got sick people. But here's what's beautiful. All these sick people are in the house of grace, covered by grace. So today, if you find yourself blind, lame, or paralyzed, I'm glad you're here because today all of us are in the house of grace and we're covered by God's grace, whether we're sick or we're well. Now, this next verse, if you're reading through in your Bible, your Bible is not going to have verse 4 unless you skip to the footnotes or unless you're in the King James Version. Because verse 4 is confusing. I researched seven different opinions on verse 4, and I got seven different opinions on verse 4. Like, nobody can agree. So let me show you verse 4, and let's talk about it for a second. For an angel of the Lord came from time to time and stirred up the water. And the first person to step in the water after the water was stirred, was healed of whatever disease he had. Now, that would be cool, wouldn't it? If if you hurt and you just step into the water and you get healed, that'd be awesome. Would it not? It'd be, hey, man, I got this this sore on my leg. You need to go down down the road a little bit, go down the honey path, take a right. There's a field out there. It's Mr. Thompson's field. You're going to need to stop and tell Mr. Thompson you're walking in the field. If not, Mr. Thompson's going to shoot you, okay? But you don't walk in Mr. Thompson. You go get that hit, you're going to be healed. I, like people would, people would go. But the problem with this verse, and, and, and where, where this really stood out to me is I was standing in this location, and I had a gentleman explain this to me who has forgotten more about the Bible than I'll ever know, that this was not true. This was a This was a legend at the time. It was a myth designed to trick people where people would pay money to lay around this pool and they would have like a fake healing from time to time. And so you had blind, sick, and lame people waiting for the water to get stirred and then the first one to step in the water was healed. How cruel is this? If you're blind... Can you see the water being moved? Nope. If you're lame, can you see the water being moved? Yep, but you can't get there. If you're paralyzed, (laughs) you can't do anything. You're stuck. That's kind of like what religion does. Religion says, I know you're busted up, but if you'll do more and try harder, you can get better. That's, that's, that's what religion says. And then, and then we see this verse. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. 38 years. I had a cough in December that pretty much lasted through December. You ever had one of those that just wouldn't go away? You just cough, cough, cough. But I, I don't know what it's like to be sick for 38 years. 38 years, work with me for a second. 38 years ago was 1984. How many in this room weren't even born in 1984? Just raise your hand. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Let me tell you all about 1984. 1984, the top song in America in 1984 was When Doves Cry by Prince. The number one movie in 1984 was Ghostbusters. The original Ghostbusters, like the good one. 
The, the top TV show in 1984 was a tie between Dallas and Dynasty. Y'all remember Dallas? Who shot JR? Y'all remember that? All right. So yeah, y'all got to Google it. But that, can we all agree that that was a long time ago? Can you imagine being sick for 38 years? I'm not talking about a cough. What, this man, we're going to find out in just a little while, had been lame for 38 years. He had been laid out for 38 years. But here's what's beautiful, and don't miss this. You don't make it 38 years unless you're in the house of grace, covered by grace. Like, because he was lame. That means he could, somebody had to feed him. Somebody had to bring him water. Somebody had to make sure he was warm. Somebody had to make sure he was taken care of. Somebody had to make sure he was clean. He was taken care of even though he was lame. He was still in the house of grace, covered by grace, even though he couldn't do anything for himself. And that's some of us, that's our story today. We shouldn't be here. We should be in a hospital room. We should be in a ditch on the side of the road. We should probably even be dead. But for the grace of God coming into our lives, and blessing us and protecting us even when we were completely unaware of it we are here today for one reason and one reason only because of the incredible grace of God so so you got this man and he's been there for 38 years in a house of grace covered by grace but he's still got this going on he's still he's still laying do you know you can go to church for 38 years and still be lame? This is where it's about to get real. And I'm going to go ahead and tell y'all. The rest of the sermon is PG-13. So those of y'all watching at home with your kids, you might want to break out the iPad. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? I don't know if you've ever heard this. I, you, I've heard this before. You've probably heard this before. There's no such thing as a stupid question. I would beg to differ. <laughs> Somebody recently asked me, not, making, not even making this up, Pastor P, I got a question for you. Would you rather have a horse the size of a cat or a cat the size of a horse? Pause. That's a stupid question. <laughs> Neither. I would shoot both of those animals, all right? Like, I, that freaks me out, just the thought of it. That's a stupid question. And all of us have had a stupid question asked of us. Like, I remember one time I burned my arm in the kitchen, and somebody was like, did it hurt? Now, the reason I say that is because on the surface, I remember the first time I read this, I'm like, I know he's Jesus. I know he's like the son of God, but Jesus, do, do you want to get well? Like you're speaking to this guy who's laid up by the side of the pool and the best thing you can come up with, son of God, is do you want to get well? I thought that was a stupid question until I realized, in fact, after doing ministry for a while, you know what I've discovered? Some people don't want to get well. Some people would rather identify this way rather than this way. Like, let's just get real. Let's talk about addiction. 
Some people don't want to get past your addiction. Let's just be honest. You, you don't want to quit. And you'll, this is what you'll say. You're in the house of grace. And that's true. And you're covered by grace. That's true. But wouldn't you like to get well? You don't have to live that way. In fact, at some point, you've got to admit that that's your choice. Speaking as somebody who's been down that road. No judgment. You know, some people that are depressed, they don't want to get well. You know why? Because if I say I'm depressed, then you feel sorry for me. You, you show me sympathy. And, and, and when I call myself depressed all the time, I'm, I, I'm literally giving the disease power over me by calling it by its name and saying it's what controls me. But see, if I'm always depressed, then, and you're always feeling sorry for me, then I don't have to get well. So Jesus asked a legitimate question. Because here's the deal. If Jesus heals this man, he's going to have to learn a whole new way of life. He's essentially been begging for 38 years. He's going to have to learn the streets of Jerusalem because he has not walked them in 38 years. Everything's going to become brand new. And, and this is his answer. You would think, would you like to get well? Yes, that would be the proper answer to Jesus. But let's be fair, he didn't know who Jesus was because he hadn't read the story about himself in the Bible yet. Verse 7, I can't. Man, that is the biggest lie that Satan sells so many of us. I can't. Hey, I bought it for years. I bought it for years. I can't, sir, the sick man said. For I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Now, this is where it's going to get PG-13. And I'm just being as honest as I know how to be. There are phrases that, that drive me up the freaking wall. Like when I hear them, I want to literally punch a puppy. All right? I mean, that, I mean I've, I'm, listen, I'm a... In the house of grace, covered by grace, God's working on me, all right? So it, it literally drives me crazy. And this is one of the phrases. Now, if, if you've used this phrase recently, if you've put this phrase on social media, I wrote this down three weeks ago, this particular illustration. So if you've said it, I, I haven't been on your social media, I can barely look at mine, okay? Here we go. This is the phrase I can't stand. I'm just living my truth. I got to live my truth. So far, and I'm not saying this is the case if you've said that. So far, everybody that I've talked to that said I'm living my truth, can we just pause for a second and can I just tell you, in love, that's one of the dumbest phrases you could utter out of your mouth. You called me dumb. No, I said the phrase was dumb. But if you keep saying it, you could qualify for dumb, all right? Because we don't apply that. Like, when you were eight years old, what was your truth? When you were eight years old, your truth was, today, this tooth is going to fall out of my mouth. I'm going to put it under my pillow. A fairy is going to fly into my room tonight and pay me money for the tooth that fell out of my mouth. That's my truth. 
When you were eight years old, a bunny rabbit laid eggs and brought them into your... That's my truth. Looking back, nobody's claiming that anymore. Everybody that I've ever met that said, I'm living my truth, they're saying that so they can continue doing something that they know they shouldn't do, but they're just calling it their truth. And listen, you can't polish a turd. I didn't say that in the last service. I don't know where that came from. That just, dear, you can't. And let me say this so everybody understands. If our truth doesn't match up with God's truth, then to hell with our truth. Because that's where it came from. Melvin, he cussed. Okay, (laughs) Hold on, Helga, you ain't seen nothing yet. I, I can't, sir, the sick man said. I, I, I can't. I can't get well. I, number one, I can't get well no more because he, he believed in a false belief system. He believed if he got in the water, he could get better, but that whole system was based on false belief, just like religion. Do more, try harder, and you'll be better. And the, the second thing is this, and don't miss this because this is, this is huge. He blamed other people for his condition. Oh, I'd like to get well, but nobody will help me in the water. Near people in this room. And I say this as somebody who has done this before. I could get well if they would just apologize. I would get well if they would say they're sorry. I I could get well if they'd pay me back. There are people in this room that have been wounded. And let me stop. You were legitimately wounded by somebody. What they did to you hurt. It was not right. I'm not excusing it. But to stay laying down for 38 years because somebody won't tell you that they're sorry, to give somebody that much power over your life is borderline insanity. Some people are in this room, are, you're mad at people and they're dead. They can't, they can't, make, but as long as we, listen, as long as we blame other people for this, we can stay this way. This is, this is crazy. And then, and then watch this. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat and Walk. Here's what I love. Jesus never even addressed, Jesus never said, oh my gosh, dude, you are a snowflake. (laughs) You're special. People believe in, Jesus didn't even address it. Jesus just said, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. (laughs) Here's what's crazy. The day that Jesus told him to do this, and you'll see this in the next verse, was on the Sabbath day. According to Jewish tradition, not the word of God, but religious tradition, you weren't allowed to pick up your mat and walk on the Sabbath day. In other words, Jesus said, if you want to get healed, then you're going to have to do something that religion tells you you cannot do. Somebody told me 
a long time ago that I needed to be more like Jesus. And I agree. I'm trying every day to become more like him. The one area that I think I'm doing pretty well in, in regards to being like Jesus, as I do a pretty good job pissing off religious people. <laughs> See, I, I, just, I just did it. I just did it because some of y'all are like, he didn't have to say piss. <laughs> Jesus never taught like that. Uh, have you read Matthew 23? The seven woes of the Pharisees, where he tells, he tells the Pharisees, hey, you guys travel the world to win one convert, and then when you win that convert, you make him twice the son of hell that you are. Jesus, that was not nice. <laughs> Jesus was always healing on the Sabbath. He was intentionally doing stuff that religious people said you can't do. Which, is, which brings back, so, so I remember I first... I started going to meetings in church world. And now, listen, I'm from Baptist world, and I'm not saying that Baptists do this. All Baptists do this. I don't know anything about Presbyterian or Methodist. Only thing I remember about, the first time I preached in a Presbyterian church, there was this thing next to me, and I was getting ready to move it, move it and I, these ladies on the front row freaked out. They were like, <gasps> I was like, what? They were like, that's the baptistry. I was like, y'all must baptize some small people in this church because how you get... Anyway... It, it, was, it was deacon nomination time in the Baptist church that I was in. Y'all know what deacons are, right? Deacon, it's kind of like senior superlatives in high school. It's the most popular men in the church. <laughs> I'm going to tell y'all a couple problems. Right? So, so we, were, we were nominating men for the deacons, men for deacons. And, and women couldn't be deacons because religious people said they couldn't. Y'all feel the tension? I didn't know. I was like, why, why? I mean, she's, she's the godliest person in the church. Oh, because she pees sitting down, she cannot serve God. Got it. So we're throwing out names, and we got a one name, and I was like, well, what about this guy? He can't be a deacon. Can't be a deacon? Why? He's divorced. Okay, is that, is that like a law or? No, the Bible says it. Okay. And this is the question that I asked that got me kicked out of the meeting. Do we still take his tie check? So, and then what I really wanted to say to another man in the room, but I didn't, but I would now, is like, he's divorced, but you're humongous. Don't you dare accept a label that religion tried to put on you. But God, because listen to me, listen to me. If I would have listened to religious people, I would not be in ministry. I would not be pastoring this church. I would not be living an abundant life. 
I would probably be in a one-room apartment, curled up in a ball, drinking and feeling sorry for myself because I accepted the label that people that didn't listen to Jesus tried to put on me. You, you are not who they say you are. You are who Jesus says you are. And if Jesus is speaking life into you, then we need to receive it because it's the only way we go from here to here. Jesus told him, I don't care what religion has put on you. I don't care what religion has said to you. I don't care how religion has defined you. Sir, stand up and walk. Get up. Get out of that. Get, get. Can you imagine how nasty the place he had been laying for 38 years was? Jesus was like, get out of that. Just, just get up and walk. And everybody around him is probably going, <laughs> yeah, like we hadn't thought of that before, Jesus. And then all of a sudden, instantly, the man was healed. Instantly. How soon? Instantly. After 38 years of believing in a false belief system and trying to blame it on other people, Jesus spoke, and instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. The, the, the man got healed because he received the word that Jesus spoke into him. See, he was in the house of grace, covered by grace, but it wasn't until he received the word that he stepped into his healing. There are people in this room today, you're in the house of grace, covered by grace, but you need to receive the word that Jesus is speaking into you so you can step into your healing. Because you've, you, you've, you've been like this long enough. And Jesus says that you can have abundant life. And yes, you're in the house of grace, covered by grace, but do you want to be healed? Because the way we receive healing is by simply receiving the word that Jesus wants to speak into our lives. So with that in mind, can we pray? Father, I want to pray over every single person in this room, every person watching online right now, Jesus, for those who are in the house of grace and covered by grace. But Jesus, we need to be healed. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here today and you feel like this message was for you. Like you're, you're, you feel like you're the lame man laying beside the pool and you need to be healed. You need for healing to take place in your life. You need to let Jesus define you rather than other people define you. If that's you here today with heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want you right where you are sitting to do what Jesus said in this text and stand up because I want to pray for you. I want you to stand to your feet right now. Don't look around to see if anybody else is doing it because it doesn't matter if Jesus spoke to your heart and you know you need to be healed. You stand up on your feet right now. Just remain standing. Just stand up because I'm going to pray for you. All over the room, stand up. Jesus is speaking to you right now. He's saying, I want you to, I want to heal this area of your life. I want to heal this pain of your past. I want to heal this addiction. 
I want to heal this problem. I want to heal this anger issue. I want to heal this anxiety. I want to heal this depression. I want to heal. Yes, thank you. I was waiting on you. Somebody just stood up and God told me before the service even started that you were going to stand on your feet. I'm so proud of you. Anybody else, you need, to, you need to stand up right now. Don't miss your opportunity. I want, yes, you're in the house of grace. Yes, you're covered by grace. But today you need to step into healing. Amen. People are still standing. I just want to continue to leave room for God to move, for God to speak healing over us. Amen. For those of you that are standing, if you just maybe hold your hands out like this, just as a sign of surrender, like Jesus, I'm, I'm willing to receive your word. Let me pray for you. Father, I want to pray for every single person right now that is standing and God, arms open wide saying, yes, Jesus, I want to receive what your word says to me. Jesus, I pray that you would plant the seed of your word so deep in our hearts, Jesus, the enemy cannot steal it away. And I pray that you would speak life and you would speak healing. You would fill us all, God, with the faith that you said, and because you said it, we can believe it. Because you said it, we can know. Because you said it, we can hold on. Fill us with the faith, Jesus, to know, God, that you said we believe. You said we believe. Jesus, thank you so much, God, for the work that you're doing in this place today. I pray, Jesus, that all of us that stood to receive the word you spoke into us, Jesus, would walk out of this place with our heads held high, knowing we're in the house of grace, covered by grace, and taking a step toward our healing. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here today and you've never asked Christ to come into your life. You, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've never, ever accepted his grace into your life. And if that's you and you need Christ today, I want to invite you to pray to receive him right where you stand, right where you stand right now. I want you to pray this prayer with me in your heart. Just pray it. Just say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross and you rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life. Come in and take over. I surrender everything to you. In Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer, if you just asked Christ to come into your life, do me a favor and stick your hands straight up in the air because I want to pray for you. I want to celebrate with you. Amen, amen. Hands in the air, all over, all over, right now, right now, right now, online, online. Father, I want to thank you for these hands. I want to thank you for these changed lives. I want to thank you for these people that have crossed over from death to life. I want to thank you, God, for every single person in this room that stood to their feet and said they needed to be healed. Jesus, I pray that as we walk out of this place, you would speak hope, you would speak life, you would speak assurance, and you would let us know, Jesus, that in you, the best really is yet to come. We love you, Jesus, and everybody that agreed with this prayer said amen and amen. Are you glad you came to church today?
Me and me too. Y'all have a great week, and we'll see y'all back here next Sunday.